Hey, it's Jeremy, and I just want to take a quick minute to thank everybody who's checked this out at SotaSoccer.com, S-O-T-A Soccer.com, and who has supported us and contributed to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash SotaSoccer. We're trying to bring the Minnesota soccer community unmatched, unprecedented, dedicated, unique coverage of Minnesota soccer that you're not going to get anywhere else with written pieces, podcasts, and bonus content available to our Patreon subscribers over at patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. So if you haven't sampled our written content yet, make sure you check that out at SodaSoccer.com. And again, if you want to go that extra mile and directly support what we do, every content creator that's on the Soda Soccer team is paid for their work. So if you want to help support that and contribute to that, just go to patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. You can contribute for as low as $3 a month. Big thanks to everybody who is supporting not only the podcast here, but SodaSoccer.com as well. Now to the episode. What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches. Dom, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Uh, looking forward to talking about a, a nice mixture of of pro and lower league uh, soccer today. And uh, yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Thank you for just tuning in. Uh, we are presented, of course, by SotaSoccer.com, your home for soccer coverage in the North. Check us out, SOTASoccer.com. Also, if you could help us out here on the podcast, Hit that subscribe button if you haven't. Um, we provide you with a little little thank you for being a Patreon uh, contributor, Patreon subscriber each week with a bonus podcast, 10K Stoppage Time, focusing on kind of one topic that maybe uh, weren't able to get to in the show uh, and take a little dive into Minnesota United's 2023 schedule. Um, a little different this year, obviously, with the introduction of Leagues Cup, um, and it's not a World Cup year either, so... Um, start time's the same, but the way the season is structured and the way things are going is a little bit different. It's not that sprinted marathon that it was last year. It's, uh, it's back to a little bit of normalcy, but obviously with the league's cup thrown in there as well, uh, provides a little bit of a, of a change to the situation. So we'll dive into all that, but here, Dom with Minnesota United on the show, kicking things off, they begin training in Blaine this week. Um, missing two players as of today, as we're recording on Thursday, uh, Emmanuel Reynoso still working on immigration paperwork. Um, he should be able to report to Blaine though in the coming days, according to Andy. And then also another, um, another one who is on their way to Blaine, but not there yet is Kamar Lawrence. First round pick Ryan Jiba is officially a member of Minnesota United. He has a one-year contract with club options for 2024, 2025, and 2026, now I'm going to put my lower league stand hat on here and say one of the reasons this is cool for me is it's the first ever transfer from USL League One to Major League Soccer. Yes, it still had to be a transfer, even though Jiba was drafted by Minnesota United. There still had to have a deal in place between Union Omaha and Minnesota United to actually get Jiba on the roster for the next few years. But um, that is done and dusted. And uh, it's a USL League One transfer fee record as well you can check out our previous 10k stoppage time on patreon for our breakdown of jiba but minnesota united sort of in a way making history here with not only this draft pick but the signing of ryan jiba from union omaha yeah uh it's uh I, you know we've we talked before about uh 
liking the idea of adding Jiba to this roster, and and all the more interesting that it sort of represents a little little bit of history in terms of relationship between these two leagues, uh, and, and the USL and, and MLS in general as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I think Minnesota United uh, has had obviously certain amounts of relationships with USL League One in the past. Of course, at one point with a relationship with Forward Madison, some players moving back and forth uh, there. But uh, it's great to see Minnesota United continue to, to look into uh, the championship in League One as, you know, a, a place to scout players, a place to find talent. Uh, we talked before about how with Jiba, you have a really nice combination of both a young, you know, talent in the way that you would want uh, out of the Super Draft, but you're also getting a guy that has uh, considerable pro experience already. And, and so, you know, that, that's what you can get a lot of in a league like USL League One. Uh, and yeah, again, it's, it's great to see Minnesota United paying attention to that. I think that's something that every MLS team is still working on, wrapping its head around a little bit. Uh, Minnesota United certainly not the last team to figure that one out. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, really encouraged uh, by that. And also a really cool uh, little achievement, not little, a really cool achievement for Union Omaha to continue to be a place that's developing players, moving players around, moving players to the championship, now moving players to MLS. Um, Obviously, we saw on the on the field this last year how competitive they could be against uh, upper division teams, and and that's obviously paying dividends in how those players are then moving around in the transfer market. So, all around, I think a lot of good look good vibes for both sides of this deal, and uh, looking forward again to seeing how how Jiba melds into this Loons team. What's interesting about this deal, particularly, is that if we know one thing about MLS and kind of the the moves that they've made and the things that they have done, especially over the last three or four years, they like to keep everything within MLS. If they had their way, that whole the academy system to MLS Next Pro now is kind of a reserve system. Um, but it's very, very hard to argue. And I think MLS organizations are realizing, or maybe they have realized and maybe haven't necessarily conformed to what MLS wants, but it's hard to argue the the talent that is in USL, whether it be the championship, whether it be league one, there are some really, really talented players who can make significant short-term impacts on MLS rosters if they're scouted and, and brought on, uh, correctly. So It'd be interesting to see if MLS sort of concedes to that a little more in the future and tries to make things a little bit easier for their clubs to try to gain talent from USL um, while still having obviously their own path if those guys so choose. Um, but that's that's kind of an interesting aspect of this to me. But it seems like uh, Minnesota United is kind of high on Jiba as a first-team prospect early on here, a first-team player. Um and obviously the one-year contract with three options means yeah. they are kind of making a, a bit of a commitment to him there as well. Yeah. And, you know, you, you bring up a good point. I, I think the, the, the angle of, of MLS learning or continuing to learn about the benefits of a development path, say like a player going through USO League One, it's interesting because obviously MLS Nets Pro exists now. And, and in theory, that is providing a separate space for, you know, that MLS um, specific player development, particularly with uh, that focus on youth development for the senior teams. But even in MLS Nets Pro, you see that acknowledgement of the importance of a league like uh, USL League One in the fact that even MLS Nets Pro has uh, independent clubs 
that sign players in sort of a standard open way um, of various age ranges. Uh, and there's even more of those coming. <laughs> it's not just uh, Rochester, obviously, in the first year, but this next season or two, there's going to be a couple more. So, um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, like, it's an important development path to have guys playing uh, you know, against adults and, and have them playing in more open competitive leagues than just developmental sort of academy style leagues. And I mean, that's that's even what's been important about uh, USL League 2 or the NPSO. Um, so, you know, that that's a lesson that is going to continue to mold as all these different parties that control these different corners of U.S. Uh, soccer uh, continue to evolve. But yeah, again, I think it's important for Minnesota United to make the most of, of what is there and be mindful of the talent you can find um, in these leagues that sometimes is, is a lot more matured and developed than what you might get out of uh, just sort of a more insular approach. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so more to come, obviously, on Ryan Jiba. He is training with the first team, has been training with the first team since the start of offseason training this week. So um, we'll see how he comes along and if any more reports on him and his standing in the roster um, you know, start to mold as the as the season draws closer and closer. Um, now Minnesota United looking outside the United States for new talent, uh, particularly in South Korea, as reports this week of the Loon's interest in two South Korean strikers. Uh, early in the week, there were reports out of South Korea that Minnesota was in on Cho Jae-sung, who scored two goals in the World Cup and gained like a million Instagram followers during the World Cup as well. Um, I don't know if you guys heard this story during the World Cup, but he was the one that, um, you know, people saw him, uh, I don't know, just people around the world or within South Korea, and he be kind of kind of became the equivalent of like a K-pop sensation uh, during the World Cup. He went from like 42,000 followers to over a million in the course of the, you know, two or three weeks that he was there. So uh, pretty interesting. But um, Minnesota evidently interested in him. Um, looks like Rangers and Celtic, among others, are interested in in him as well. Um, but then Thursday, as we're recording here, Fabrizio Romano reported that Adrian Heath and Co. have made an offer for long sought after striker Wang Wee Joe. And if that name sounds familiar, he came up during the summer transfer window as well as a possible option for Minnesota and somebody that they were looking after. Obviously, it didn't happen. I think with the money they had already spent in the summer transfer window, they weren't in a position to spend DP money on uh, on another uh, guy like like Joe. But this is a dude who really, really came into the forefront of European soccer, specifically in the last couple of years with Bordeaux. Now, as a team, Bordeaux didn't do so well over the last couple of years, and they found themselves in, in League Two in the French uh, in, in the French pyramid this year, but. The last two full seasons that Joe played in Bordeaux, he scored 12 and 11 goals, respectively, in those seasons. 12 goals in 36 appearances in 2020-2021, and then 11 goals in 32 appearances in 2021-2022. So um, a, lot of, a lot to like there. He has since been sent over to Olympiacos in Greece, uh, where he has uh, made quite a few appearances. No goals yet for him on the season there. Um, but this is a, another potential DP striker for Minnesota. And I know that gives Minnesota United fans the heebie-jeebies and maybe makes you roll the eyes when you see another DP striker. Uh, but this guy has shown the ability to consistently produce over multiple years um, in, a, in a top flight league. 
Um, and it seems like somebody who could really, you know, hopefully finally kind of break that revolving door and bring some goal scoring consistency to Minnesota United as well. Yeah, really two really interesting pieces here and two very different ones. Um, despite the fact that they're both forwards and they're both South Korean, that there's a lot that's different about, um, what would it would mean if either of these guys came in? Um, with Juan, there's the 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 detail of the fact that he's significantly older. He would turn 31 during this season, uh, whereas Cho, I believe, is is like 24. Uh, yeah, 24 right now. Uh, so there is a bit of an age gap there. Uh, Juan also uh, is in a bit of a. I, I'm not I'm not sure who. Minnesota United would be doing business with because I think he technically got bought by Nottingham Forest after Bordeaux got relegated. So he's technically owned by a Premier League team, but he doesn't play for them. I'm not sure why they bought him. <laughs> uh, but uh, so the, there, there's some competitions there maybe that Minnesota would have to figure out. That being said, this is not a league where 30 is the end of the road. And so it's, he certainly could do a job here. I think no. I would be maybe a little more excited by Cho because you have a little younger talent. You have a guy that if he does well here, there's probably a good chance that you can turn him over down the road. You can have him for a while, but then you can also sell him on to someone else who will probably want him, say, in Europe. Um, you know, you, you noted there were rumors that several teams in Europe already wanted him, but perhaps Minnesota was ahead of them in that race. Um, there, there's a lot of details I actually liked about him. I mean, for example, obviously the, the elephant in the room when you're signing a young South Korean athlete is, is the potential military service issue. He's already done that. He's actually played for the military club that they have in South Korea uh, for mm -hmm. athletes that are in service. He's already gotten that taken care of. That's not something Minnesota would have to worry about. Um, he's clearly done very well there. He's clearly done very well in the World Cup. So uh, I think he would excite me a little more as a signing, but both these guys are, are very talented. Clearly they have some great resumes behind them. One, obviously having a lot more time to have built that than the other, but uh, yeah, I think it's interesting that Minnesota United is paying a lot more attention to that talent pool in South Korea. We've taught, maybe not on the podcast, but we've talked before about that. And a lot of other people at Soda Soccer have talked about uh, that talent pool as being a really interesting one. South Korea and I'll, I'll also include Japan are both countries that produce a lot of talent that goes actually to Europe frequently, mm -hmm. particularly to the Bundesliga, but certain parts of the world like the U S and even the premier league don't really mind those places for talent at all, for whatever reason. I don't know if that's like a visa thing. That's harder. Maybe that's why he's not playing for Nottingham forest, uh, Juan. Uh, but, um, for whatever reason, those pools aren't really used a lot by certain parts of the world, even though they produce a lot of great talent. So, uh, great that Minnesota is looking into that. I know a lot of people were hoping for um, defensive signings uh, in the offseason, and those might still mm -hmm. come. Those might not. But if Minnesota United is making attacking sign signings for the rest of this offseason, both these guys seem like really interesting options that could really benefit the team. So I, I, I'd love to see either of them come. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a good point you made, Dom. He is officially actually signed with Nottingham Forest in the Premier League right now, um, but he's being loaned to Olympiacos, I believe. Um, currently so signed with a premier league club but obviously looking to maybe make a move to a place where he can have a home and and you know get, uh, get a little more um playing time and be a little bit more of a of a featured um piece uh on a roster so uh, more to come both on shoje sung and wang we joe obviously um as we get further and further and closer to the season 
Um, Minnesota United fans are just salivating at the chance that the, the Loons are going to announce a, a big signing of some sort. So hopefully something can get over the line sooner rather than later so we can keep the pitchforks out for just a little bit longer. Um, as I mentioned previously, schedule reactions 2023, uh, kind of breakdown of the Minnesota United schedule. That's coming up on this week's 10K stoppage time. So as soon as we're done here, head on over to patreon.com slash soda soccer, lend us your support, and you can uh, check out this week's episode of stoppage time. And now it's time to talk lower league, and we're going to kick things off with Minnesota Aurora as they've announced a multi year agreement to stay at TCO Stadium in Egan for the foreseeable future. Obviously, this was a great home for them last year, um, you know, breaking attendance records left and right, more than 6,000 people um, on multiple occasions, um, selling the place out, standing room only, hanging from the rafters, if you will. Um, so it makes sense for both parties that they would stay there. Um, it's big for TCO Stadium to have a tenant like Aurora to, uh, you know, bring in that many people. But obviously, just a very professional environment for Minnesota Aurora to be in. And they've kind of wanted to have that professional air about them since they started, even though they're technically in a pre-professional league, obviously they've been testing the professional waters, but I think no matter what league they're in, they want to be viewed as at least in, in presentation as a women's professional club here in the twin cities and being at TCO just gives them even more um, ability to say that and ability to show that. Um, such a great environment, and it's cool to know that they're going to kind of be locked in there for at least the next couple of years. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, Like you said, this is not currently uh, a professional sports team on, on the pitch, uh, but clearly that's always been uh, – they, they, there's always been a clear desire for Minnesota Aurora to at the very least be very adjacent to being professional and, and, and you know, having that, that sense to them. I was about to say aura, and I – Thought that would be too close. Uh, the, that sense about them uh, that they're taking things very seriously, that they want to be as professional as possible within um, the USLW league. Um, and, and so TCO in the first season was a, a great home for that, a great platform for that to develop um, from obviously the attendance to the experience for the players, for the team. So it made all the more sense to just continue to develop that relationship uh, continue to play there, especially while they still figure out that next step they want to take and potentially expanding to a pro side. We've talked before about how that might, you know, lead to a, a new home for the team. But uh, while they're where they're at, this seems like the perfect place. Obviously, a facility that um, is designed for for about as professional a function as possible, and uh, and 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 a place that fans were more than willing to go to to watch soccer last summer. So. Yeah, excited to see that relationship develop more, and, and hopefully they can continue to make TCO more and more their home uh, this summer. Now that it's uh, now that there'll be a little bit of history tradition to to build off of, mm -hmm. and I'm sure logistically year two should be uh, easier for them as well. Kind of knowing how they can do things, you know, vendors and and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was a smooth operation last year, the multiple times I was out there, but obviously we'll continue to get smoother as they continue to sort of plant some roots there at TCO. Um, moving to uh, the Target USA Cup for 2023, obviously still you know, six, seven months away at this point, but participants are being announced or have been being announced in recent weeks. Um, Minnesota participants so far include Minneapolis United, St. Croix, and Salvo. Wisconsin will be others and then of course the international feel of this the international presence of this is what makes it so special other clubs announced uh, include teams from sweden canada iceland brazil 
Norway. I mean, you're talking between 30 and 40 countries, uh, upwards of 40 countries represented every single year in this competition. Um, just very, very cool. You know, my, my wife used to play in the target USA cup and she still has, you know, they, they, they trade like pins and stuff like that, uh, during the, during the competition as well. And she still has some of those and she kind of cherishes those. So, um, just a really cool, um, obviously really cool, um, event to happen every year and continues to grow and expand. And, um, it's, you kind of always have to pinch yourself that this is happening sort of right in your own backyard. Because uh, it's such just a, a massive global event that I think unless you're in it, unless you, you know, are there, unless you have kids who are there, unless you're experiencing it firsthand, it's kind of hard to truly know and understand the magnitude of it. But um, yeah, just, you know, the more, the more we get closer, the more we'll know just how many countries and how many areas are being represented. But looks to be another really, really, uh, you know, well well-traveled event for 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's, it's really cool that this kind of event even exists here. I, I let you, you already said this, but it, it is kind of hard to wrap your head around the fact that something this uh, global and massive uh, in, in that sort of youth soccer scene exists uh, here of all places, but it does. And, and it has for some time, which is maybe the coolest part is that there's so much history yep. to it. Uh, and yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I had hoped uh, last summer to go visit, explore around a little bit when the USA Cup happened last year. I, I had some friends that did that, but unfortunately, it was right when I had COVID, <laughs> so I oh, I could not terrible time. I could not at all. So um, I, I'm looking forward to try and take advantage of that better this uh, this summer. But uh, but yeah, uh, looking forward to you know it's great to see so many countries obviously represented every year. I'm sure there'll be far more than the ones we know for right now and of course some great minnesota and wisconsin based teams taking part in that which is is important that there's that local development opportunity out of all this so uh yeah looking forward to seeing how that continues to grow for uh, the summer another team announcing signings this time for the npsl is med city uh defender noah jervik is uh rochester century high school 2022 graduate former minnesota rush kid who attends upper iowa university he made 14 appearances last fall for UIU. And then Med City have also confirmed the return of striker Andres Garcia for 2023. He was a talisman for the Mayhem's 2022 conference title run, scoring 10 goals. So that is a huge guy, uh, a huge uh, attacking presence to get back for Med City for 2023. Um, and then Med City themselves have noted that Minnesota United and MNUFC2 are interested in Garcia, but his 2022 college season at St. Cloud was stopped by issues that appeared to date back to an injury suffered um, in uh, at Duluth that ensured uh, Med City won the North. So, um, you know, he suffered an injury very, very late last season in that late season draw in Duluth that seems to still be hampering him at St. Cloud, um, or still seem to be hampering him at St. Cloud, and maybe have provided a little bit of an obstacle for this kid to break into uh, Minnesota United's um you know, Academy or Minnesota United system. So this 2023 season for Med City is going to be absolutely huge for Garcia. If he can return to the form, kind of show that maybe that injury is behind him or it's not, uh, um, you know, impacting him as much as this fall season led some people to believe, then he might, he might continue to get that look. Um, huge opportunity for the kid um, as we head into 2023, but that's a kind of a really cool anecdote. 
Yeah, he's Andres Garcia is one of those guys that I, I feel like uh, you know we a couple of weeks ago talked about all these Minnesota kids getting drafted in the in the super draft and all that. He feels like a guy that could be part of the next wave of that if things go well for him. Um, extremely talented. Last summer, he actually he did his own little version of the Loic Masanvi challenge because he actually played for Med City and he also played for Austin Villa in the UPSL um, and uh, uh, did very well for both those teams. For Med City, uh, essentially was the the linchpin in them winning the uh, the conference title. Unfortunately, as we noted in the I believe it's the second last game of the season. Med City traveled to Duluth and it was sort of one of those games of like, if either side wins this, they basically sealed the deal. And I think a draw helped Med City more. And Andres Garcia actually scored the opener in that game, but it got injured during the celebration. Uh, and uh, then he missed the last game of the season and the playoff run for Med City. So uh, un- unfortunately, his season was cut a little bit short. Med City potentially could have done better, you know, if, if that hadn't happened in the playoffs. But it is what it is. That's what happened. Uh, and you know, so now he's obviously he's been recovering. He's still with the Huskies at St. Cloud, obviously. And uh, I think that if if he can take twenty twenty three in stride and and do well at club level, college level, if he's still there by next fall, I think he's still got a huge future ahead of him. Extremely talented, ten goals, and I think he played like twelve games for Med City is not an easy thing to do. Uh, and by the way, those weren't just goals. He didn't score five against Eris. He scored against Duluth. He scored against Minneapolis City. I think he actually scored twice against Minneapolis City. He was scoring against all, basically every team. Uh, really talented guy. So great to see that he'll be back in the NPSL North for the summer to sort of continue his journey. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last time he plays in the NPSL North. Um, but yeah, Med City, you know, looking to defend their title, obviously. Um, probably mainly with Duluth to worry about now that Minneapolis City has left and they look like they're building a strong roster to do so. So that's exciting. All right, now it is top four time on the show where we kind of each pick two stories, two items, two news notes that maybe won't fit in the regular rundown or we didn't have time to get to in the regular rundown and want to hit on very quickly here. Um, I'm going to go first, Dom, and my first top four has to do with Christian Ramirez. Of course, Superman, known, beloved for his time here in Minnesota with the NASL, uh, Minnesota United, and of course that transition into when the Loons went into MLS. And it looks like he's coming back to the States as there are a number of MLS teams who are interested in Ramirez. No, Minnesota United not uh, on the initial shortlist of interested parties. Columbus seems to be leading that crew. But Christian Ramirez, in all likelihood, returning to MLS and returning to the U.S. Dom, what do you think? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it was really cool to see Christian Ramirez obviously go to Scotland and have this, 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 uh, his first season was quite good at, at Aberdeen. And I think things have maybe run a little bit of a foul since then, just in general for the club. But, um, it was cool to see him have that opportunity. I, I'm not surprised by MLS being interested in him still. Um, I, I frankly think that the fact that there was so little interest from within MLS when he decided to leave Houston and ended up in Aberdeen was kind of crazy. Um, and so, I mean, this is, I think this is a lead that he can still get a job done. I think that he got a little unlucky with the way Houston were playing when he got there. Um, and, and maybe a little unlucky with the fact that he was competing with some of the best of the best at LAFC for, for time. But uh, Christian Ramirez is an extremely talented striker. He, he always has been. And this is certainly a level that he can still play at. Uh, as far as Minnesota United not being interested or, or well, 
not not being rumored to be in the mix for him rather um i guess that's not too surprising to me in the sense that i mean all, all the people that made the decision that they didn't want him anymore are still here so uh, I wouldn't. I, I'm not shocked that they're not still not interested. Uh, but uh, you know, it would have been interesting to see. Uh, I guess if Minnesota United are interested in some of the other people we already talked about today, it doesn't necessarily make sense to go after Christian Ramirez. That being said, I'm very interested to see what he does wherever he lands. Uh, let's say it's Columbus. I'd be really interested to see where what he can do there. I think he's a very talented forward still. Obviously, older than he was when when he left MLS, but. Uh, he actually looked better than he had in a couple of years when he got to Aberdeen. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a really uh, dangerous player. I think he has a lot to him, a lot of potential still at this level. Um, I'm not necessarily too surprised that Minnesota United isn't interested in him, although there is sort of a, a dreamland version of the story where they are the ones that get him. But, uh, yeah, I think the club's attention is just elsewhere. I mean, you have two DP strikers kind of technically on your roster you're potentially looking to add yeah, another exactly. high quality striker uh internationally just from a personnel standpoint it doesn't look like christian ramirez would sort of be on on the radar although i'm sure minnesota united fans would love nothing more than to see uh superman return to the lambs but anyways dom go ahead uh speaking of uh uh soccer players that have been in the twin cities uh, my first top four is uh is just a, a sort of a shout out to ian smith who i had written an article about a while back maybe in the summer i want to say for soda soccer uh he is a minneapolis native uh has played i think uh played youth soccer with minneapolis united he's played for minneapolis city as well green bay uw green bay uh, he now plays for uh, Opsal IF, a fourth division team in uh, Norway. He's been there for a couple seasons now, uh, doing his thing over there. He also has been pursuing his uh, master's, which he actually might have completed by now. Uh, at the time of writing the article, he hadn't. But um, mm-hmm. he's doing his thing. He's he's renewed his contract with Opsal, and, and it's just a, a exciting to see him continue his, his soccer career over there, uh, playing at a... Uh, a country that has a great history, a great level of the game. He talked about in that article, people can go back and look about how much he's learned from sort of the Norwegian style and the European style of interpreting soccer uh, and the technical approach that they have. Uh, so it's been, uh, it's been great following him, following what he's up to and, and looking forward to seeing how he and Opsal can do uh, this season. So yeah, just a congrats to him on, on another year of soccer. All right, my second uh, story on top four is obviously the one um, that a lot of people are talking about in MLS this week. Gareth Bale announcing his retirement um, after finishing last season with LAFC, uh, posted an announcement on Twitter. Um, At the time I saw it, it had been up for like 10 minutes and it already had like 300,000 likes on it. So uh, obviously um, everybody in the soccer world uh, seeing this and responding to it in some way, shape or form. Uh, what's interesting about this, though, is, you know, when asked about his his future plans with LAFC when he signed last year, I think everybody kind of assumed that this was sort of like, I'll do this for the end of the season to get ready for the World Cup, and then we'll see where the chips fall in 2023. Um, but he had made some comments in the press indicating that he was looking to stay around with LAFC for longer than just last year. And I don't know if that was just him trying to say the politically correct thing or say the right thing or you know, try to get LAFC fans on his side. But, you know, it was very interesting that the headlines that were pulled up after Gareth Bale retired 
from some of the things that he had said in, in, in prior, you know, press availability with the black and gold, but obviously did what he came there to do last year, not only get ready for the world cup, but I mean, help them at least at some level to an MLS cup, obviously scoring late uh, in the final to give them a shot um, there as well. So, you know, uh, not necessarily surprised to see this. He is getting up there in age. Um, but, and obviously with the, the moves that LAFC had made, they were, I think they were sort of preparing for a scenario where maybe not his retirement, but him not being with LAFC in 2023. I think they had sort of come to peace um, with that likelihood. And it is confirmed that Gareth Bale has retired. Um, Tottenham fans, LAFC fans, Atletico fan, or, um, you know, Real Madrid fans, I mean, you know, all, um, I'm sure, um, you know, going to miss seeing him on the pitch. He was a really influential player for them, but obviously a, a very criticized, highly criticized player, uh, at times as well, but he had a pretty incredible career and it's interesting to see that it ended in MLS with an MLS cup. I think that'll always be something that'll be kind of cool to add to that, uh, that resume. Yeah, for sure. You know, like you said, Gareth Bale is one of those guys that pretty much any room you bring him up in is going to be a polarizing topic. I guess what I'll say is, uh, you know, at the club level, I, I think he is an iconic player. I think that admittedly the last couple of years were different. I think that he reprioritized to focus a lot more on, on his country. And I can appreciate that that was frustrating for some of the, well, for the two clubs that he played for, Real Madrid and then Spurs on loan. Uh, I can appreciate that that was frustrating, but I can also appreciate from his perspective how much that probably meant for Welsh people um, who I would expect him to care more about than, mm-hmm. than say, people in Madrid because uh, he is Welsh after all. Um, and, and so, you know, he, he did what he had to do and, and obviously made history with Wales mm-hmm. this last uh, fall, winter the world cup uh with lafc yeah you know i i can understand some people will be a little upset looking back at those clips and the way he portrayed things and the way things played out in terms of uh well leaving after one season retiring after one season at the same time the guy did do the job he he played for you and he very much directly played a role in you getting your first mls cup a trophy that lafc had been bitterly missing out on for many years now and, and, you know, the, the the jewel missing in their crown, quote unquote, of being the coolest, best MLS team was that they hadn't actually necessarily won much of anything. So uh, Gareth Bale really helped change that history. And I think at least after in a couple of months when this all blows over, I think that will band-aid any wounds that people have about him uh, deciding to leave early. But, uh, yeah, for me, it's an iconic player that that deserves a lot of 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 respect for the career he's had and uh i i wish him the best of luck in retirement and i I, i'm sure that golf courses around the world will be even uh more exciting now that gareth bale has even more time to play golf on them so uh best of luck to him out there um uh, my my final uh, we we keep having like dualities with our top four. My final top four is also about a person from Great Britain. Uh, it's um it's about former uh, UW Superior Yellow Jacket and Duluth FC defender Scott Wilson, who is Scottish. That's what I meant by that. Um, who has uh, taken up an interim head coaching role at uh, Lake Erie College women at the women's soccer team at Lake Erie College, uh, which is a D two school. Uh, he was an assistant last year. He actually left 
uh, uh, Duluth FC about mid-season to, to take up that opportunity, to, which of course was a, a big opportunity for him to get into coaching. And uh, so he's currently uh, in an interim head coaching role. Mm-hmm. I, that might end up adjusting, obviously, in, in the future. But for now, that's that's the position he's at. Uh, so just kind of a congrats to him on on how all that's continued to play out. Um, developing his 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 knowledge as a coach, developing his resume as a coach for a lot of players, of course, that's sort of the next big step. And uh, it's been very encouraging to see him do that. He's a friend of the show. He was actually did an episode with Ethan a long time ago. I think he was still at UWS when he did that. Um, yeah, he and, did. Uh, great guy. Uh, the various times I've interacted with him, he's always always been a great guy. Everyone at Duluth FC loved him, I know. And everyone at UWS loved him. Uh, so great to see good people having success. But uh, yeah, just uh, just a shout out to Scott quick about the uh, position update. Yeah, if you want to go to our uh, YouTube channel and just scroll through the archives, you'll see episode two of our College Conversation series, which has since, uh, with the departure of, e- of Ethan, uh, has since gone awry. But uh, episode two of that College Conversation series with, was with Scott Wilson. <laughs> really cool interview, really cool chat. So um, go and check that out on our YouTube channel if you haven't as well and go check us out on patreon patreon.com slash soda soccer for 10k stoppage time as don dom and i sort of dive in to minnesota united's 2022 or i keep saying 2022 the 2023 schedule we're not going to dive into the 2022 schedule because we lived it already uh but we're going to look at 2023 what the regular season has in store kind of what the new structure of the season will look like for loons fans with start times and, and, you know, the Apple deal and whatnot, kind of how that's impacting things and where we think Minnesota United kind of ends up at the end of all this. So go check us out. 10 K stoppage time, patreon.com slash soda soccer, lend your support. You can get that bonus content. If not, no worries. We'll be back here for free as always next Friday for another episode of 10,000. See you guys.